It's game time. Bill and T and talking sports. You're listening to the Game Day T podcast mm-hmm. with your host, Say my name, D. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Game Day T podcast via OutSports. I am your host, D. Gill. You can follow the podcast at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the Game Day T. Follow me. I want you all to interact with me today. Today, though, I have a very, very, very cool guest. I have the one and only Desmond. Desmond Douglas, welcome to the Game Day T. Thanks so much, D. Gill. I'm so happy to be here. I love what you're doing. So thank you so much for having me on. Oh, thank you. And thank you for being a part of what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of what we're doing, before we go any further, though, can you please let everybody know your um, pronouns and what do you identify as? Yeah. So again, my name is Des. I identify as he and him and uh, I am gay. So for those of you listening, I searched the Instagram webs, I guess you can call that, or whatever you want to say it, the hashtags, and I came across a very, 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 very unique profile of a very handsome runner. I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, like, <laughs> that right there, boom, that already dragged me in, right? <laughs> so then I was like, I was looking to say, wait a minute, he doesn't run. He's like a part of some type of like running group and I'm looking you know doing my little research that I do and it's like oh midnight runners that's interesting what is this about click link click page wow this is pretty huge uh (laughs) so Des can you please tell me about your involvement with the midnight runners my involvement with midnight runners is actually relatively new I'm excited you brought that up because it took a while for me to find it As you know, I mean, there's so many different running groups that you can get plugged into, and I've had my fair share of different ones that I've tried to join, but there was something unique about Midnight Runners. It's one of the most inclusive running groups that I have been a part of, and it's a global running group. So it's not just based in San Francisco where I am right now. It's in London. It's in Berlin. It's in Paris. It's in Tokyo. It's... Uh, in New York. It's it's all over the place. And it's one of these high energy running groups that mixes boot camp with, uh, with running. And it's really about people coming as you are with uh, good energy and intentions just to empower each other to, to have a good time. Well, that's for, that sounds pretty neat. I thought they had to check it out. What, what made you, like, what was your draw towards Midnight Runners? In the running community, you can really find a lot of different types of running groups. When I moved to the city, I started with the San Francisco Front Runners, which is the LGBT running group of the city. And they have many chapters all around the U.S. and even internationally as well. And that's where I started kind of getting comfortable and learning all the different routes. But I felt like there was an element that was missing So I started checking out a lot of other different running groups and then Midnight Runners popped up because they run through the streets with music. They curate these different playlists every single month that have these like high energy, just like music that you can dance to. So that's the first part. And then we're running at night so people have neon lights and it kind of feels like a party. And then every mile you stop in this 10K boot camp 
and you get to do a HIIT workout, which is like a 20 seconds on, 20 seconds off. So it's an intense workout, but it's so fun. People are cheering and, you know, pre-pandemic, there was about 80 people. So picture 80 neon people running through the streets of San Francisco, um, oh, no. you know, with such good energy. It's so fun. That sounds like my type of party right there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And so you mentioned that you're gay and that Midnight Runners is inclusive. Are you out to, are you out to warn your camaraderies in uh, the running community there? I am. Yeah. So it's one of the few places where you're able to just casually show up. No one cares who you are as long as you're a good person. So I think if you show up, you want to have a good time, you want to run, you want to work out, you want to relax with people afterwards and maybe grab a beverage or get some food. No one cares what background you come from, whether it be if you are gay or straight or bi or non-binary or trans, uh, you can just come into that running group and, and have a good time. And it's one of the few places where I didn't have to have a label on myself as a gay runner specifically or a post-collegiate athlete. It's just one of the places where I was able to show up exactly who I was and everyone was cool with it. Well, that's pretty amazing because you want to feel comfortable. People like me, where you need to get back into the fitness world. I, I, you know, if I were to came, come out to try and join the Midnight Runners, I would want to feel comfortable. And when mm -hmm. I was doing my research about Midnight Runners, I like that it's okay for you to stop and wait for somebody behind you because you all promote, hey, while you're waiting for that person, let's do some burpees, let's do some jumping jacks, whatever it is. You know, continue the workout, get that, continue to maintain that high heart rate. And so I really think that is really special um, and that fits the whole inclusion mode as well. I completely agree. I mean, it, it is no runner left behind, which is great. You know, as a captain of Midnight Runners, we have different pace groups and, you know, we have someone that's middle, uh, front or what we call sweeps. So no matter where you are on that spectrum of pace, whether you want to run slower, whether you want to go really fast, there's someone that's going to run there with you and there's going to be music there to keep you motivated. And people will wait for you at the boot camp stop for you to get there and then cheer you on. And at the end, we have a tunnel where you're cheering on the first runner all the way down to the last person coming in. So everyone feels included. Well, and, and you know, that I guess is the sweep is the, are those the people that are from behind or they make sure that, how does that work with the sweep group? Yeah, so with the sweep group, we have one of the captains that will run behind the person who is running behind the rest of the group. Mm -hmm. So that captain will run behind the last person with the speakers because we have all of us have speakers and we're all playing the same music. Okay. So we try to keep it like a club vibe around everyone yeah. so that people can stay energized with the music and, you know, we'll you know, keep everybody encouraged. That's pretty cool because I, I may be in that sweep group right there, okay? <laughs> Especially and that's it's a fun group. That's a fun group too. I love running with uh, with the sweep group. I feel like we have a lot of fun back there. Because I don't I don't know why I've endurance has never been my cup of tea. <laughs> the game, I mean, that was a probably a lame joke, but it's funny to me. Anyways, <laughs> being over the game day tea game day tea target. Anyways, but I like to work out, but I just my endurance is crappy. But I would like to improve it, and I would like to get in more aerobic exercise. So I may have to come check you out 
As long Please as we're do. not running down Lombard Street now. Do y'all do Lombard Street? Hey, you know, I can't make any promises. What I will say <laughs> is that the um, the runs evolve. We have a standard one that is on the Embarcadero, which is extremely flat. But every once in a while, we'll have ones where we try to run up to um, the top of Kite Hill mm. or we'll run up to the top of Bernal Heights, you know, which okay. is some of the most beautiful peaks in the city. But there's a, there's a little bit of something for everybody. We have these flat runs, hilly runs, and then we have pastry runs where the total goal of the run is just to run at a relaxed pace and then check out a new bakery within the San Francisco Bay Area. Oh. And, and that brings in a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's pretty cool and sweet. But, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyways, for those of you who don't know, well, you probably should know that San Francisco is very, very hilly in Lombard Street. If you Google Lombard Street, you'll see it's one of the most windiest, if not the windiest road in America. Oh, yeah. I think it's, it's probably, definitely it's probably, super windy. Yeah, it's super windy. So I'm pretty sure that probably be pretty cool. Um, you're just not a runner, though. You're in what I would call an athlete. You like to play different sports. For me, I'll back up a sec. I was traditionally um, a track and cross-country runner in both middle school, high school, and college. Where'd you go to college? I went to college at Morehouse College. So we have that Atlanta collection. There we go. (laughs) See, see, all my best friends went to Morehouse. Oh, not all of them. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. So how was that? I want to, yes, let's back up to that right there, because I bet that was very interesting. So I have a very interesting background. I grew up in a very small town in Ohio called Avon, Ohio, and there was a population other of 0.5%. And I was a part of that 0.5%. Wow. So if I'm honest, the most black people I'd ever been around up until that point was my family. And that just didn't feel right. I felt like I, a part of me was missing and I needed an experience where I would be able to be around like-minded individuals and have mentors that looked like myself. So that's how I ended up at Morehouse. And it was one of the most magical experiences of my entire life. I I went there, you know, and I was a a bio major and I was running cross country and track. So I did, I was a three season athlete, you know, cross country, indoor track and track. And it was tough juggling all of those different things, but I felt so uplifted. It just felt like a really big fraternity. Oh, that is, that is pretty amazing. I love Morehouse. It is in, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, like you said, and it's an all-male college. So a lot of, oh gosh, philosophers, businessmen, like just you name it, they've come out of Morehouse. So I, I that right there tells me you're, <laughs> you're very smart. You got your head your head on straight. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Were you out, though, in college? I was not. So my coming out story is kind of interesting. I thought I was trying to come out in high school. So that all kind of started when in the era of MySpace, I don't want to date myself here because, you know, we're all <laughs> onto like Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but in the era of MySpace, I feel like there was little areas where you could go on to chat rooms and you could 
just talk to people who were maybe more like artists and alternative folks. So I felt like in my small town of Avon, Ohio, there was only one other gay kid. And unfortunately for him, you know, he was getting death, death threats at school and had to leave. So for me, when I was exploring my sexuality and trying to understand who I was, it was really doing it in secret, you know, because I wasn't sure who I was, but I just knew that I was different from all my other friends and I wanted to explore that. So as I tried to come out, uh, my family did not react to it well in high school. So essentially they put the kibosh on that and I went right back into the closet and I had to go to a lot of different counseling sessions and things like that to try to get through that. So then when I went to college, I actually went back to dating women, but it wasn't until probably my senior year that I realized that I wasn't living my true authentic self and I needed to make a change. So when I graduated from Morehouse and went to DC to go to grad school, that's when I decided that I was going to be able to support myself in case that, you know, my family would not want to support me or, you know, or kind of have anything to do with me. And unfortunately at that time, that's exactly what happened. And I was prepared to, you know, stand on my own two feet at that time. And I felt strong enough to say, okay, I don't know how this journey is going to go, but all I know is that I can't be somebody else. I have to be in the present moment. I have to be myself and I can't walk around here with all these different masks and facades on. It was just getting too tiring and um, hard to keep the shenanigans up. So I came out when I went to grad school. And, you know, at that point, my family and I didn't talk for several years. And, and that was really tough because, you know, I leaned very hard on my family. They had me when they were in high school. My parents are super young. I mean, they just turned 50 years old. That's how young they are. Wow. They're deeply rooted in the church. So I just think that that perfect storm made it so that they were afraid, afraid for me. They just said, you know, you are a young black male. We have sacrificed so much for you to get to where you are. And we're just afraid that um, all the choices, choices, I'll put that in air quotes, right. all the choices you were making um, are taking options away from you. Um, but then that's when I just realized that, you know, I was taking options away from myself by not being my authentic self in, uh, in DC. So that's when I came out to my whole entire family, um, my parents didn't take it well, but my grandparents are the ones that stepped up and said, you know, you have nothing to be ashamed of. You need to live your true self and you have nothing to be ashamed of. You just need to be happy. Yes. And one of my things that I close each episode with, I always say, be true, be you and be fierce. Okay. Yes. <laughs> two but snaps I, for that. Yes. To, to go back though, your story is so very compelling because lately I've been getting, you know, I've been hearing a lot of stories of excellent coming off stories. Oh, everybody accepted me with open arms and it was, we love you. We love you. And that's not everybody's story. 
And no. you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned the African American component on it, where it is very it's shut down, it's shut looked down upon by some, you know, members, a lot of members, you know, the African American community. And it's just not something that we do. And then you add religion on top of that, putting those where it's based out of. We got some issues going on. And I can yeah. only imagine what it was like being in your shoes feeling suppressed that you couldn't be yourself. I mean, I had girlfriends in uh, high school, but I, well, I got kind of outed out to my high school in front of everybody. And it, it wasn't, that was BS right there. And I really want to know, did it affect your performance in track and field at all a little bit, knowing that you were a closeted athlete? It did in the in the early going, because I felt like... I don't know. Running is such a liberating sport. I feel like you go out there and you literally might come into a competition or to a practice holding on to something, but running is so freeing in that you get to forget about everything. You get to focus in on one lap at a time, one mile at a time, you know, challenging a hill, passing the person in front of you. So I feel like running in a way was my therapy to process all of the hard feelings that I wasn't letting myself feel or that I was trying to suppress or that I was feeling guilty or shameful about, about who I am. And I think running allowed me to be more comfortable with who I was. And it was one of the gateways that allowed me to meet other gay runners, to meet other allies in the running community who really just cared about who I was as a human being and didn't necessarily care about my sexuality. People always think, oh my gosh, when I get out, of, well, let me speak for myself. I always thought, oh my gosh, when I get out of high school and I go to college, it's on. I'm messing with this dude, I'm with this dude, that dude, but it's not, it's still, no, there's still some people still trying to figure it out and still have other issues dealing with their sexuality in the LGBTQ community. It's not some just what we see on TV and the movies or you get to college and you're dating all the boys and you're acting like a hoe and slut and all this. And well, <laughs> let me not say that you're, you're expressing your sexual freedom. Oh okay, yeah. You're, you're liberated. <laughs> yes. You're liberated. And, but um, in that case, you know, you, you kind of had to suppress that. Don't go anywhere. Don't you press that stop button. We'll be right back with the game day TV. We got to take a little break because the bills got to be paid. We'll be right back. Hi everybody, welcome back to the Game Day Tea. It is your host D. Gill and I'm talking to Des Douglas about running, what it's like coming out, and LGBT inclusion in sports. And so my question, my next question to you is, we're doing a rewind here. What yeah. would you, would you do anything different? That's part one to this question. And two, what would you tell some, some 17, 18 year old freshman in college that's not out and is just, but is really dying inside because they're not who they are? Mm. So if I would have rewound, I, it is so hard to say because I think coming out really depends on your situation. Mm. Where do you live? Is it safe to do so? Do you have resources to support yourself? Do you have family members? Do you have allies? And I think as you're going through an internal checklist and asking yourself those questions, if you can say, yes, I have a support system or, you know, I have a plan to support myself and 
I'm prepared for everything to go to hell in a handbasket, then I say go for it. It's not to deter anybody. I think one of the most precious things you can do is be yourself. And, but I think above all, you have to be able to do that in a safe way with a plan. So if I could rewind, I think I would have told some of my grandparents or extended family or even my, you know, my grandma, because I think I knew from them, you know, they had gay friends, you know, they were, you know, they didn't really care. They just said, you know, young people are changing all the time. So we just got to be prepared for that and, you know, just own who you are. Yep. So maybe I would have told my, my grandparents, you know, cause when I came out to them, they just said, you know, you held on to this for so long and, you know, I wish you would have told me. So that's the first part to a person who is thinking about coming out or doesn't know that they are gay or bi or trans or, or any of those things. And they're just trying to figure it out. I say, continue to dig deeper um, ask those hard questions and don't be afraid with what comes up. You know, there's so many resources out there. There's Instagram now, you know, there's different LGBT centers in all these different cities. Um, and if you're in a city that just doesn't feel like the right place for you, try to make a plan to get out of that city so that you can thrive and be yourself because you know, right now I'm in San Francisco. Right now I don't even think about being gay because there are so many gay people and there are so many allies that it would just be weird to question, you know, being gay here. Mm -hmm. you know, so if you're in a, or even New York, just go to a city where you feel like you can be yourself and nobody cares. Yeah, uh, that is so you're you you're you're in my mind right now because my I, I recently read a book called The Bright Lands and it's without giving away spoilers, it's about a guy who goes back to this small little town of Waco, Texas, but he lives in um New York now, big city. And he has to find out about his brother being dead. And there's a whole bunch of stuff. It's a, it's a very good book if you're gay, like a gay drama, Stephen King, all type of thing wrapped up to one book. However, why I brought this up is because he suppressed who he was uh, and you know, and a lot of other people in that book suppressed their sexuality and some of them moved away. And I thought to myself, I wonder what it's like in real life to live in a small town in Ohio yeah. in case, but then you move to a big city like Atlanta, San Francisco, uh, Brooklyn, New York, and now you're in this big gay mecca. How do you really find yourself if you suppressed your true self growing up, you know, all through high school? Then let's say you get to San Francisco, where um, or Fire Island, shirts off, cut, cut, brr, 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 gym. What you don't have a gym membership? What you're not posting in this? <laughs> Are you really gay, dude? You know, so it's just like what, like you feel that pressure to fit in with those stereo big city stereotypes but you missed out on finding yourself that, you know, people don't understand that that's an extra layer of an onion that we go through in the LGBT community. We're still trying to find ourselves. Hell, 30s, 40s, sometimes 50s or more because it's, we had, we were suppressed so much. Oh, what you said is so real. I feel like one, when I moved from Avon, Ohio, 
to Atlanta, Georgia, my mind was blown. There were so many people that were expressing themselves in way that I, ways that I had never expressed myself. So I feel like people were wearing all different types of clothes other than me, you know, you learn about different jeans fits, you have skinny fit, slim fit, boot cut, you have shirts with V-necks and you have all these different brands where as in Avon, Ohio, we were wearing Hollister and Abercrombie and Fitch and flip-flops. And then yeah. you come over to Atlanta, Georgia and people are wearing all different types of outfits and really bright colors. And then, um, you know, since I wasn't necessarily out in Atlanta, I'm not necessarily sure what the gay scene was beyond maybe Blake's, mm -hmm. which is a place that I used to go to. But yeah, right I just remember, yeah, I remember seeing so many people in there that were so comfortable with who they were. And I was not yet comfortable. You know, I, I was a skinny runner. Mm -hmm. And then you have to learn about the different uh, tribes that people are in. Like, are you a twink? Are you a twunk? Are you a daddy? Are you a zaddy? Are you an otter? Like all these different things. And I feel like I had to get hip with all the lingo. And then coming to DC is I think where it all came together. It's where I um, had my first boyfriend and he was a part of the running community and older than me and as such, his friend group, all of them were a little bit older than me and were more established. So I feel like I learned a lot from them. And one person in particular who also went to Morehouse um, and was a, a lawyer in the city, I feel like he took me under his wing and just kind of taught me everything. And I think that's how I started catching up. But if I'm honest, it's probably within the last four or five years that I've really kind of truly come into myself yeah. it's when I was able to meet my now husband it was when I was able to finish grad school it's when I was able to come into the world and say this is exactly who I am I'm unapologetically me and what you see is what you get yeah and I love that transition that you went through because um it's important to talk about that, that it gets better type of message where, you know, people even listen to this podcast today, maybe struggling with something dealing with, you know, their sexuality or their home lifestyle and their friends or maybe be out with their friends, but they're not out at their work or, you know, it's just know that it gets better and don't give up. But in the process, don't lose yourself. I know looking at the beginning and looking at now, it seems like that journey was easy, but honestly, there was years of depression. There was um, times where I was suicidal. There was um, moments where I wasn't sure how I was gonna make ends meet. But honestly, I, I'm just so thankful that it has all come to, together. Yeah, I, I like it. And this podcast came together because now we're right back to where we are with like you're in San Francisco and you know who you are. You have your husband, you're um, running with the Midnight Runners. And also what other type of uh, sports do you participate in? Yeah. So since I've come to San Francisco, there's been two other sports that I've started doing. One is cycling. I love cycling and I 
purchased a bike about three years ago so that I could do the AIDS life cycle, which okay. goes from San Francisco to LA. It's 545 miles. Wow. And over the course of like five or six days, it was one of the most amazing experiences that I have ever done. Because you have like 2,000 other cyclists that come from all around the world to do that ride with you. Whoa, that is amazing. I have never heard of this. That is Wow, what was that like? Just experiencing just travel with the back roads, the main roads? Where, you, where were your stops? I don't know all about it. <laughs> yeah, so the days varied. I mean, I think the shortest day might have been about 50 or 60 miles, and the longest day was 110 miles. Okay. And you start from San Francisco, and part of it goes along the one. And then part of it goes inland, like where you're going past farms, you're going past artichoke, artichoke farms and spinach farms, and you're in the middle of nowhere. I know uh, about that. <laughs> I, when, I yeah. first, when I first got to California, my job put me in Hanford, Tulare, Merced. And I was like, girl, what is this? Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, I see <laughs> peanut. Peanut yeah, farmers. Like, what is this? And that's how I found out that California produces most of the fruit and vegetables for the entire United States. Because people think, oh, San Francisco, LA, oh, nice. No, in the middle of California is, is farm country, y'all. <laughs> it is farm country. So this ride was amazing. It's so well supported. Um, there's stops about every 15 miles. They have every snack known to man. I mean, I feel like I inhaled Pop-Tarts the entire ride. Pop-Tarts, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, uh, every energy gel or granola bar you could think of, and then boxed lunches. Um, there was even um, stops where you had DJs so you could dance. Wow. You know, it was so fun. That's pretty neat. Gosh. And... Uh, are they still doing it? Did they do it this year already or is it up upcoming or? You know, it happens every year, but unfortunately this past year they had to cancel it due to the, the pandemic. You know, mm -hmm. they weren't able to safely have us all gather, you know, the way that we did in the previous years. And, and in fact, they've had to cancel the following year too, but they are going to make an announcement with maybe a virtual ride series where you, we can still fundraise for the SF AIDS Foundation. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I assume that it's gonna be back on maybe in 2022 or 23, which would be fun because it's a, it's a wonderful experience. Oh, that and it's, um, amazing. Yeah, and it's made it so that I now cycle probably three times a week. I, I love it. Awesome. Now, has the pandemic affected Midnight Runners at all? Or Yeah. So at the beginning of Shelter in Place, we did virtual runs where we would tell people to go for, you know, a one hour run. And then we would come back and hang out on Zoom and do a little boot camp workout and a cool down and then just, you know, socialize and have a little happy hour. Then for a couple of months, we were able to split up the city by neighborhood and each captain would um, lead a smaller group. Okay. We did that for a couple of months and then we were able to separate by two neighborhoods and have uh, 15 person running groups in two different running groups. But now 
um, with our recent surge, we have um, decided to hold off on any boot camps or runs until the new year. Yeah, man, that's so tough. I, you know, I've been doing a couple of these interviews, Des, and like I want to try out. I've met somebody from the San Francisco local rugby team. Um, maybe yeah. talking to somebody from the local San Francisco cheerleading team and you're from oh, sweet. so many things that I want to check out now that I know without a pandemic, I've probably booked every single night of the week doing something, everything, <laughs> trying to stay yeah. be a part of my community. But yeah, the pandemic has really, really hit us hard. Um, mm-hmm. Before I let you go, though, I, I asked everybody this question because I think it's very, very important. And that question is, how do you think sports can be more LGBTQ inclusive? Yeah. I think part of it is, yeah, I, I had a sigh there just because, because yeah. I think that's the hardest thing is people want to be able to go to any type of sporting event or group and feel included. I think people have to first check themselves you need to kind of look at the environment and ask like, what are we doing to make LGBT people feel included? You know, are we, you know, how are we talking around, you know, LGBT people? Um, Are the routes that we're doing, are we, are we trying to include them? You know, what neighborhoods are we going through? I mean, there's just so many different elements. And I think it even just starts with the leaders of each of these groups making sure that people go through, you know, the types of trainings to make sure that they don't have any type of uh, biases against LGBT people. Um, Maybe even trying to have LGBT people on their boards, you know, so that they can then say like, hey, you know, this is what I like in an environment, you know, can we create this? Or maybe even just looking at the bylaws of the groups just to make sure that each person feels included. So I think, it starts with leadership, checking themselves and understanding that they need to make their group welcoming to each person. And then when an LGBT person comes into the group, what are you doing to one, not single them out, but you know, recognize and acknowledge that they are there and their presence matters. And then trying to make them feel included and like they're a part of the family so that they'll continue to come back and even invite some of their friends. Yeah. It's, it's, I like that you said that it starts at the top with um, having members of the LGBTQ community on boards, because um, I've, I'm a firm believer that uh, Twitter, if you're listening out there, somebody from Twitter, you all had an update recently with fleets on it. It's called fleets. And you put like little Instagram stories, basically. And I said, I know there cannot be not one gay person up on that board. They would have not allowed them to they, they need to be called a fleet. Okay. Mm, okay, now. <laughs> All we're right. Supposed to be, we're supposed to be, you know, mature. But I, it was kind of funny to me that they named it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Des, this was an awesome, awesome conversation to me. I, I really appreciate I learned so much about you and about the Midnight Runners, about just why you do what you do. And thank you so, so much for coming on here tonight. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to, to chat with you. I love your podcast and, and thank you. Oh, you're welcome. If anybody can wants to get in touch with you a little bit, know, wants to know a little bit more about you and about Midnight Runners, how can they do that? Yeah. So if you go on to Instagram, you can find me. I'm at Run Desi. It's D-E-Z-Z-Y, Run Desi Run. 
Um, you know, that's definitely the best place to figure out what is going on with midnight runners, what types of activities we're doing in the Bay Area, whether it be running, cycling, or yoga. You know, we're all about kind of spreading good vibes because those are contagious mm-hmm. and uh, making everyone feel included. Well, I love it. That's the good type of contagious, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, I want you all to be true, be you, and be fierce. Everybody go follow the game day tea. We got more and more coming up stories like this. All right. Bye-bye.